بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يدلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أرسل الله تعالى بالحق بشيرا ونذيرا داعيا إلى الله بإذنه وسراجا منيرا فما بعد فقال تعالى يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون وقال يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يسلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يؤتي الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوضا عظيما وقال نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم بدأ الإسلام غريبا وسيعود غريبا فتوبى للغربة أيبا في الإسلام إخوان وأخوات My respected brothers, sisters, elders The hadith I recited before you is from Ibn Majah Kitab al-Fitan where Rasulullah said, which means Islam began as something strange and it will return to being strange. So blessed are the strangers. And this is narrated by Abu Huraira. Why strangers? Because in a world based on oppression, courage is strange. In a world based on amassing personal wealth, charity is strange. In a world where net worth means dollars, net worth meaning character is strange. In a world ruled by merchants of death, saving lives is strange. In a world where making money is the goal, the means be damned, virtue is strange. Therefore, blessed are the strangers because they struggle for a world where charity, character, courage, virtue and kindness will be the standard. This is Islam. We Muslims are like those on a sailing ship caught in a storm. As the captain of such a ship, there are two paradoxical opposite things that you must be able to do simultaneously and well. One. Be aware of the forces that are trying to sink you. And two, as well as be disconnected enough from them to be able to focus on the best way to navigate your way out of the storm. If you ignore the forces around you, in order to focus, they will sink you. And if you get distracted by what the forces throw at you and lose focus on the goal, that will sink you just as fast. Time is of the essence and urgency is a competitive advantage. That is the difficulty. How to be aware yet emotionally disconnected. Emotional reactions, no matter how justified, always lead to bad decisions. Sira is the answer. Sulaykh Hudaybiyah is Rasulullah Wasallam's master class in dealing with this dichotomy. So first a quick 
essential history lesson. The proliferation of nation states started after World War II. And that is a reference point for us to understand that the nation state is still very much a work in process project and is by no means complete. Add to this the complexity of the multinational corporations, some of which are wealthier than many nation states. To give you an example, Amazon in 2018 was worth $1 trillion. And if it was a country, it would be number 17 in the world in terms of GDP. And therefore, what such companies and those who own them can do to impact global politics is a very important aspect to consider. Given the increasingly important and powerful role of online technology, including AI, and the enormous resources that these companies wield, it would be extremely naive to imagine that they wouldn't want to influence present and future markets. This will lead to a new form of colonialism that will be far more pervasive, insidious, and powerful than anything that we have seen in the past. Here, people's minds will be the playgrounds, and we will voluntarily allow them to use ours to play their games and make profit for their owners at our expense. Facebook and Instagram members are already doing that. More will follow. The nation-state idea differs from empires principally because for the first time, common people like you and me were given a voice in lawmaking. Like all WIP work-in-process projects, it is far from perfect. But from our perspective as common people, it is very, it's a very big step in our development, which must be cherished and supported by participating in that process of lawmaking. The alternative is dictatorship. The biggest strength in times like this is to have a historical perspective and as clear an idea as possible about the best way forward. To do that effectively, we must be prepared to face facts squarely without any sugar coating. If you can't diagnose the disease, you can't prescribe or implement the cure. And you cannot diagnose with your eyes blindfolded. So here is a no praise, no blame view as I interpret history of our people. You may not be interested in politics, but politics is interested in you. It's your choice. Let me choose three core areas, which I believe are the most important, to analyze broadly and suggest what we should do alternatives. Education, leadership, and Muslim society in general. In education, the biggest calamity that happened to education was the separation of religious education from modern education. It happened originally after the brutal suppression of Muslims in Baghdad, Al-Andalus, and India, and the genocide of ulama, but continued primarily because teachers in Madaris didn't know, they didn't know and so they couldn't teach science and math or English. English, whether we like it or not, is the language of global communication today. Without English, the doors of much of the world, including research, including libraries, including all kinds of PhDs, theses and so on, which are written, are shut. Thus, the gulf between Islamic and other knowledge was established and grew and continues to grow. The same restriction of curriculum and teaching methodology happened in the Arab world with similar results. Regular schools removed, that's the other side of the story now, regular schools removed all reference to God, all reference to the Creator, and taught science as if there is no Creator. 
while mothers has taught the Quran as if there is no creation. Roughly from the 18th century onwards, Muslims lost the race of scientific discovery and invention and today are not even contenders anymore. The so-called golden age of Islamic science from the 8th to the 15th centuries took place in centers around the world such as Al-Andalus, the Near East, Central and West Asia, Turkey and India. In contrast, since 1900, and we are in 2008, do the numbers, we are in 2004, do the numbers, from 1900, only two Muslims were awarded the Nobel Prize in Science, both in chemistry, only two. We satisfied ourselves by talking about our glorious past and forgot that it is the present which matters and which impacts the future, not the past. This situation continues and each passing year compounds it. What is required is not scientific or Islamic knowledge in isolation, but both in consonance, each building on and supporting the other. It is bridges which must be built. The task is monumental and so must be addressed in a highly focused manner. We must remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught us about the sequence of teaching, theology and science and told us what the natural result of that would be. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Inna fi khalqi samawati wal ardi wa akhtilafi al-layli wa al-nahari la ayati li uli al-albab. Al-ladhina yadhkuroon allaha qiyamahu wa qu'udahu wa ala junubihim wa yatafakkaroon. Wa yatafakkaroon fi khalqi samawati wal ardi. Rabbana ma khalaqta hadha batilan subhanak. Subhanaka faqina azaban nar. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Suratul Al-Imran, Ayahs 190 and 191, Indeed, in the creation of the heavens and the earth and the alternation of the day and the night, there are signs for people of intelligence, people of reflection, people of reason. These people are those who remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while standing, sitting and lying on their sides, which means in every aspect of their life. And they reflect on the creation of the heavens and the earth. And they make this dua. They say, Oh, our Rabb, you have not created all of this without a purpose, in vain. Glory be to you. Protect us from the torment of the fire. An outcome of our approach to Islamic teaching and our blind, unquestioning support for our sect of Islam, whichever mother we follow, whichever sect we follow, and those ulama, led to increasingly divisive versions of Islam supported by convenient interpretations of the Quran and the Sunnah by each sect. The ulama felt and continue to feel insecure unless they have blind loyalty of their followers, for which each sect promotes the idea that only their way is the right way and everything else is false and leads to the hellfire. This is the classic description of nifaq, of hypocrisy. The situation is beyond ridiculous because we have learned to live with the dichotomy of ideas and beliefs and that is hypocrisy. It's very shameful and dangerous. We have 1400 years of history to prove this. How much longer we continue to let this, to let this happen is in our hands. And to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we will answer because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us to be united and not to create divisions. You all know all the ayat. May Allah help us to practice them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَاَتَسِمُوا بِحَبْلِ اللَّهِ جَمِيعًا وَلَا تَفَرَّقُوا وَذْكُرُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ إِذْ كُنْتُمْ عَدَاءً 
فَأَلَّفَ بَيْنَا قُلُوبِكُمْ فَأَصْبَحَتُمْ بِنِعْمَتِهِ إِخْوَانًا وَكُنْتُمْ عَلَى شَفَا حُفْرَةٍ مِّنَ النَّارِ فَأَنْخَذَكُمْ مِّنْهَا كَذَلِكَ يُبَيْنُ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ آيَاتِهِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَهْتَدُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said and hold firmly to the rope of Allah and do not be divided. Allah did not say لا تختلفوا He did not say don't disagree. He said لا تفرقوا Don't create divisions. Remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's favor upon you when you were enemies. Then he united your hearts and so you by his grace became brothers. And you were at the brink of a fiery pit and he saved you from it. That is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes his revelations clear to you so that you might be rightly guided. Sadly and tragically for us, we recite the ayah melodiously and explain it eloquently and then we preach sectarianism without any thought about what we will say to the one who commanded us to be united. We talk about adab al-ikhtilaf, the etiquette of disagreement, but we don't practice that. We don't know how to disagree without being disagreeable. And we pay the price in blood and loss of influence and angst and frustration. يقول قولي هذا استغفر الله لي ولكم ولسائر المسلمين فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا كما أمر ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله فقال تعالى إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد I come to the second aspect which I selected where we need to work on and that is the aspect of leadership in our history conflicts in leadership started early Within 30 years of the passing away of Rasulullah and they continue to this day. It is, a, it is not in the scope of this khutbah to go into the details of the conflicts and certainly not my intention to go into the rights and wrongs of it. But I want to say that it is, that it is essential to study history objectively and emotionally and extract lessons. We must learn to differentiate between critiquing and criticizing. You critique the incident, you criticize people. We must critique incidents and extract lessons. Criticizing people is not our intention, nor do we have the authority to do that. Critiquing, however, is essential to all learning. Without that, you repeat mistakes at ever-increasing cost. And our history is living proof of this. The only use of history is to learn lessons. And that's how, that's why critiquing is, critiquing is how you do it. Empire became our default. The ideology, the mentality of empire became our default. Including in our organizations, which are not empires, but we run them like empires. And this resulted in several attitudes which remain and must be addressed and corrected. We see this reflected in our organization and culture, though the last Muslim empire ended in 1927. 
Our default preference is autocratic leadership with zero tolerance for dissent. Blind loyalty gets precedence over competence. Competence and leadership ability are seen as threats and suppressed and eliminated. We have no succession planning as leadership is for lifetime. We cannot even imagine our current leader retiring and somebody taking his or her place. Not even imagine, they have to die. And when they die, you leave that chair there, the empty chair. Nobody sits in the chair, out of respect. I'm not exaggerating. I won't mention names and places and so on here, but I'm speaking about specific incident which happened, which resulted in a, in a break across the world in one of the biggest organizations that we know today. Absolutely shameful. Elections are either a sham or a popularity contest. Which in a leadership context makes no sense. Popularity is neither proof nor substitute for competence and ability. Both consciously and unconsciously, ulama and umara, the scholars and the leaders, theologians and kings, fueled and promoted sectarian policies. Leadership was suspect and brutally suppressed. Leadership education was and is taboo. Consequently, the quality of leadership deteriorated steadily. Apart from the rivers of blood that our history is colored with, there was a steady decline in leadership quality, academic excellence, scientific development, and, constant, and consequently Muslim contribution to the world, and therefore a decline in Muslim influence and power. The world respects and listens to contributors and uses consumers. When Muslims slipped from being contributors to consumers, they became a commodity to be used. Which brings us to our present state, where despite being one in four, just imagine our numbers, one in four people walking on the face of this earth is a Muslim. We are like the foam on the flood, as Rasulullah said in his hadith, without weight or value to be ignored, exploited and discarded. At will. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that he sent us for the benefit of people to teach them how to live a life of virtue and goodness, compassion and justice. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's book is witness whether for or against us is for us to decide. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Kuntum khaira ummatin ukhrijat linnas ta'muruna bil ma'roofi wa tanhawna anil munkari wa tu'minuna billah. Allah said, you are the best community ever raised for humanity, for the benefit of people. You encourage good and you forbid evil and you believe in Allah. That is our goal. Last point, Muslim society. To use transaction and analysis TA terminology, the parent-child ego state was and is the preferred norm of Muslim society. And all attempts to develop the adult ego state, which is, a, which is the sign of emotional and, and, and intellectual development, is repressed. It creates in us a tendency to blame others for our situation, whether it is local or global. Just listen to our conversations and you will almost never hear statements owning responsibility for our problems. The rule of life is that only owners can change what they own. If you don't own it, you can't change it. 
If you are living in a rented house, you cannot knock down a wall, you cannot put a door or a window where you want it. Only the owner can do that. So if you want to do that in the house, you have to first buy the house. That's the law of life. And that is the law of life anyway. So if we don't take ownership for our problems, we condemn ourselves to living with them in perpetuity until we decide to accept responsibility. This is our single biggest problem and the biggest cause of our dismal and very painful state as the Ummah. We must not allow what is not in our control to prevent us from doing what is in our control. So there are solutions. There is no better example than that of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now deriving lessons from that, there are four things that we must do urgently. Number one is unity. It's time to stop paying lip service to unity and actively work to promote it. Stop supporting or preaching divisions and sectarian politics. Reject anyone who tells you to hate somebody, especially another Muslim. History is history. Don't let it color your present. Remember the lesson. But remember also that that happened, whatever incident you're talking about happened in a different time and place with different people. Not the one that you must work with today to solve problems that affect all of us. Remember that whatever be our aqidah, we have critical, even existential problems that we that are common to all Muslims. I'm not talking about reconciling different ideologies or converting anyone. That is impossible and unnecessary. I'm talking about working with people with different ideologies. That is possible and critical. Leave the aqidah to Allah. We must work with others here or we will perish. It is as simple as that. Number two, a central fund. No long-term strategic planning can be done without an assured source of funding. Sporadic charity is not enough. In Islam, we have zakat. But the use of zakat fund is strictly governed by the Quran. Therefore, I propose that a separate fund be created to which every Muslim man, woman and child must contribute a small amount every day. Every day. This is where we can leverage our numbers, where the compounded result will be significant. Just to give you an idea, the price of one cup of coffee, which is $5 per day, cumulative for 10,000 people, which is probably the number of the community in this place, couple of cities, amounts to $18,250,000 in one year. $18,000,000 every single year. Imagine what you can do if you have that money. The question is, are we, every single one of us, ready to do this? Number three and last. No, number three, education. As I mentioned, we need an education system that bridges the gap between theology and science. Add to this, add to this education in manners, ethics, values, morals, leadership, communication, conflict resolution, and a whole host of critical skills that do not form part of our schooling system. It is out of the scope of this lecture or this khutbah to go into the details, but I will suffice to say that all of this is, do is doable, enjoyable, and eminently possible if we have the will. We need to feel the urgency of the situation and pull together as one if we are to succeed. The last one, 
a collaborative leadership structure. This consists of two major things. One is the structure itself where leaders must have fixed terms of leadership, no lifetime leadership and a CTS, a critical to success assignment to develop successors. Success depends on developing successors better than we are, not equal to us. The big challenge will be to break out of our feudal empire mindset and embrace collaborative leadership. The second is the process of decision making. We must pro practice the process of shura which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded and which Rasulullah sallallahu practiced. And he taught us this automatically supports successor development and builds good interpersonal relationships. I must sound a warning in advance. We are talking about rewriting the destiny of the ummah. It will take time and tears before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the night. It will take patience and it will take investment and be prepared not to see the results in your lifetime. But unless, as I mentioned this example many times before, unless some rocks are prepared to go into the foundation, the building will never stand. So be prepared for pushback from current leadership because they have a stake in the current situation. Not, not us, they have a stake. But they and us must fear the day of no return when we will meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we will be asked, what did you do? ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر لنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين اللهم اهدنا فيمن هديت وعافنا فيمن عافيت وتولنا فيمن توليت وبارك لنا فيما عطيت وقنا واصرفنا شر ما أخطيت فإنك تقضي ولا يقضى عليك فإنه لا يذل مواليت ولا يعز من عديت تباركت ربنا وتعاليت نستغفرك اللهم ونتوب إليك آمين يا رب العالمين يا عباد الله رحمكم الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينحى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والباغي يعذكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله يذكركم عذر يستجيب لكم ولا ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقيم السلام